0: Wildwood Community Church exists to glorify God by connecting people to Christ, His worship, His community, and His mission. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. I am so excited to share with you God's Word this morning, to open up the Bible and to read it and to study it, to look at it and see how it changes us. See how we apply it to our lives. And so I, I, I hope that you understand that, that is my single hope. I, I'm not looking to uh, get compliments or for you to like me. I've, I've, I'm, I work with teenagers, okay? <laughs> like, I get it, right? Like, I've been rejected enough times. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to preach the gospel, right? That's, that's all I would like to do this morning. i like us to fall more in love with Jesus Christ together. But uh, I found myself recently in my living room and I just put Quinn down and kind of our rhythm of life is I put Quinn down uh, usually uh, and then Amber will put Oliver down and it takes a little longer to put a one-year-old down. And so Amber is in the other room putting Oliver down and I have a little alone time every once in a while. And so I have this gap of about seven to 10 minutes and I found myself on my laptop and I was on Facebook of course and, uh, and I was in one of my groups that I'm a part of and, and it's filled with other youth pastors and we share ideas, we encourage each other, we pray for each other, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, but I, I, I found a post that I was like, this guy's wrong. This guy, this guy is not right. And so I was like, you know what? In that moment, I turned from Jonathan, like dad, husband, to keyboard warrior, okay? Have you ever heard that phrase? Keyboard warrior, right? And so keyboard warriors are in, the, the, in, in a basement somewhere attacking everyone online, right? Go to YouTube comments, and you'll be like, oh, okay, that's a keyboard warrior, right? Go to Reddit. Go to Facebook. You'll see keyboard warriors every, everywhere. They want to prove you wrong more than anything, except that was me. I became Jonathan the keyboard warrior, and I began a back and forth with this gentleman that I'm, I am not proud of, right? Like I was like, look, I want him to know that he's wrong. Because a little, thing, a little, a little something was whispering into my ear that said, Jonathan, he's wrong you have to tell him. I was like, you're right, right? And I was like, initiating battle on my keyboard over Facebook. And, and then I heard something else It said, because if you don't tell him, who will? He'll think he's right for the rest of his life. And I was like, I will do the Lord's work. I will be his warrior, right? And so I, I, I initiate back and forth. And the, the sad thing is I'm, I'm an administrator in this group and uh, I have the opportunity to shut down comments whenever I want to. So I abused that privilege as well. I shut my laptop and signed off and I was like, well, that wasn't my finest moment. As I like, got it back into the real world, I was removed from Facebook and I eventually went back to him and apologized and reopened the comments and I may have said I have the last word period right like we all we all make uh, sinful selfish things but in in this interaction it got me thinking why did I do that it it would have been easier less time consuming for me to done right i mean like i I could do the dishes. I could vacuum. I could love my wife. You're thinking like, dude, you have like a thousand things to do. I could catch up with a student. I could could text, snap, insta, whatever. I could do anything, right? Like I do all this stuff. All it takes is, but I didn't because something was whispering into my ear. What is that something? And you know, it's the same something that keeps us from being honest with others. It not only keeps us from being honest with others, it keeps us from admitting our weakness to others. It keeps us from saying I'm sorry. It keeps us from celebrating other people's success. It keeps us from initiating reconciliation. It holds us back. I wonder if anyone has a guess this morning, and if you are uh, if you're following along, we would all say it's pride. It's pride. Pride is at the core of why we do things like this. Pride is at the core of our selfishness and sinfulness. Pride is the struggle. And the struggle is very real. And so I don't have to overstate this at all because Scripture states it well for me. Proverbs 11.2 says this, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. And now I've got to pick 30 other ones, but James 4, verse 6 says this, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And now this is quoting a a couple other verses, but let's pause for a second. God opposes the proud. Uh Uh-oh. Like... Oppose is the military term. Yeah. So, so God opposes. He is fighting the fight against the proud. If you are prideful, then you're fighting against the kingdom of God. The weight of that. Oh, pride is a big, big deal. And C.S. Lewis said it well. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, As long as you're looking down, you can't see something that's above you. Your greatest barrier to loving Jesus more tomorrow is loving yourself too much today. The greatest barrier to loving Jesus is not something external. Can't blame it on the culture. Can't blame it on your friends or your family. You can't blame it on the politics. I don't know can't blame it on anything because it's in us. It's not an external problem. It's an internal reality, and it's a sinful reality of pride. Pride sits in us. causes us to do things that we're not proud of, ironically, and it hits us saying, who was that? It prevents us from doing what we want to do, and it causes us to miss the things we would be most encouraged by, the things that we'd be, grow most by. Pride is a big, big deal. And it's something that is universal for all of us this morning. And so I want to make a quick quick side note because there, there, there are people in the room who say, love yourself too much. I don't struggle with that. I hate myself. You're not dealing with self-love, you're dealing with self-hatred. And that's, that's the same issue because you've put yourself in place of God. The remedy is the same. The problem is extremely different. We can't equate the two. But the remedy is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what prevents us from loving ourselves too much and hating ourselves is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so let's look at the outline for the morning. I like to tell you where I'm going before I get there. No surprises ahead. There's two main points that I believe we'll see in Philippians two. It's the call of the Christian and the example of Jesus Christ. So if we wanna see what humility looks like, what's the remedy for our pride that sits inside of us internally, eating us, causing us to do things we don't want to do? The call of the Christian and the example of Jesus Christ, and we have some subpoints below, but we'll go ahead and turn to Philippians two. And so, as you turn there, I want to make a a couple quick notes about our passage this morning, Philippians two. See, this verse is crucial to our understanding of who Jesus is. It is crucial to the integrity of Philippians. If you were to to analyze the book of Philippians, at the very center, the support system, the central nervous system of the book of Philippians is verses 5 through 11. Without it, the other verses can't stand. Without it, they won't stand. They won't matter. It's like taking legs off a chair. It's not a chair anymore. It's a floor platform. I don't know. But it's not a chair. It has no support system. It has no use. Everything rests on Philippians 2, 5 through 11. And the second thing, and this is, hear my heart in this. We are going to look at specific words. We're going to analyze. We're going to apply. We're going we're to look deeply into God's word. But do not get so caught up in studying God's word that you miss the opportunity to worship the word, Jesus Christ. The greatest thing you can hear this morning is who is Jesus? Not my point number one, not my application. The greatest thing you can hear this morning is who is Jesus Christ? And what does that mean to you? That's, that's it. So as we read this together, Philippians 2, 3 through 11, let's, let's listen to what God's word is telling, is speaking to our hearts in our minds. I hear students all the time say, I wish God would speak to me. He has. It's his word. Go, with, go, with, go to it with me now. Philippians 2, and I'll read verse 3 through 11, and then we'll walk faithfully through it. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is the glorious conclusion. God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If that doesn't spur worship in your heart and mind, friends, are you awakened to the gospel? This is it. This is a beautiful depiction, a beautiful, explicit description of what and who the gospel is. And there's a call on all of our lives. And so we pick up in the middle of Philippians, right, literally in the middle of the book, and we pick up where Paul is is sending some exhortations to the church of Philippi. And so the first part, Now we're gonna look at is the call of the Christian. So I wanted to start here because this gives the impact of our pride. This shows the reality of how far we are from being humble. And it says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Verse four, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And we hear that, we go, yeah, got it, check. Right? Like that's easy. No. Right? We hear that and we feel the weight. We go, that doesn't describe me at all. That's not who I am. Is that who you are? Right? Like that that hurts us. And we kind of wish that it said this. So here's the Jonathan Standard Version, because this is written by my life, not what I believe. Do some things from selfish ambition or conceit. But in confidence, count yourself more significant than others because you got to take care of number one. Am I right? Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but when it's convenient to the interests of others, when you have time, when it fits your schedule right. Friends, I wish that's what it said because I wouldn't have to do anything. I could rely on myself and I'd be, I'd be great. <laughs> I'd be fine. But that's not what it says. It says something much deeper. And I think the core of it what what really cuts me is when it says count or you could say consider others more significant than yourself. That's to act in a way where everyone around you matters more than you. Oh, like all all the time? Yes. <laughs> Wait, which others? The people I like, right? No. Everyone. There's no qualifiers. There's no little asterisks that say, "Hey, here's your way out." This is a weight we feel, and we go, "I can't do it." And you're right, because this is not about what you could do or what you should do. This is about what He has done. This is not a "try harder," a "be better," or "be more humble" message. If that was the case, I would have titled it "Stay Humble," right? And even if you search on Google, if you did this really quickly and you went to images and you searched stay humble or uh, humility, you're going to get thousands of responses. And you know, none of those are from a Christian site. That's not a Christian message. Work harder, stay humble. Do better, stay humble. Work smarter, stay humble. Uh, humility isn't just a Christian message. So what makes this unique is that the source of of our humility is not found in what we do or say or how we even act, it's found in Christ. And that means you can't even humble brag. You can't do it, right? And if you don't know what a humble brag is, it's when you start talking like you are humble, but you leave a quick note that's like, oh yeah, shout out to my 2000 followers. I love you all, stay humble. It's like, no, I'm sorry, friend. Like. You just bragged, right? Like, oh, blessed, and it's a picture of you in Hawaii, and you're like, okay, yeah, I get it, right? You're blessed, I suck, right? Like, come on, that's not fair, right? I want to be in Hawaii. I'm in Norman, right? Where it never stops raining. But friends, this is not sourced in ourselves. You can keep searching. Search your whole life. You'll never find the end of your pride. Nonetheless, humility. Friends, it's sourced in Jesus Christ. Read verse five with me. It's, it's beautiful. It's astonishing. Have this mind among yourselves. Yeah, I hope to, I want to, which is yours in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ, you have possession of this mind. It is not something that you work for. It's not something that you try harder. It's something that you are given. You're given this Humility in Christ. The source matters. And this tells us two things. First, Paul is saying that it's in Christ because Christ is our example. He's the perfect embodiment of humility. And I'll get to that eventually because you're like, whoa, that's a big statement. He is the perfect embodiment of humility. If you look up humility in the dictionary, you'll see a picture of Jesus Christ. That's not true. Don't, that's the only thing I would be dishonest about this morning. But it's true, in fact, that he is our definition of humility. He is our example of humility. And the second thing is that we are also in Christ. It is because of this union with him, not not what you do, what you say, or what's been done to you. It is because we are found in the blood of Jesus Christ that we are given this humility. Humility. The source of our humility is not found anywhere inside of us. Keep looking, you'll never find the end of your pride. So now let's, let's, let's read. And this is, this is some of the most beautiful, uh, this, this has to be top three for me. John Abernathy and I were talking about this and this is, this is unbelievable. The, the picture of the gospel that verses six through eight give us on the humility of Jesus Christ. So read this and just reflect on who he is. So he finishes, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, or but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even Death on a cross. This section of scripture has Christ's descent in humility. He keeps going down. Just when you think you're like, okay, yeah, he became man. Oh my word. Like that's that's humility that he humbled himself even as a man. And then he humbled himself even to death and then even to death on a cross. The descent of humility is astonishing, but I want to pick up on a few key phrases here because this teaches us a full Christology. This teaches us who is Jesus Christ, not who we want Jesus Christ to be. This answers who is Jesus. And the first phrase is form of God. Jesus Christ, who though he was in the form of God in English, we kind of go, it sounds like he's kind of like God, Right? Like he was in the the form of God. That's not what the word means. See, that phrase comes from morphe, right? Morphe. And that is meaning his exact likeness. That Christ, who though he was in the exact likeness of God, he was God. He wasn't kind of like God. He wasn't like subjected to the Father. He was God. Perfect unity, perfect relationship. He was God, equal par. When we say God, we're saying Father, Son, and Spirit. God is Jesus Christ. God is Father. God is Spirit. This is not kind of like this is God. Jesus Christ is God second is grasped. He did not count equality, a thing, or equality with God a thing to be grasped. And this, kinda, this really gives us a hiccup, right? We go, what does that mean, right? It's, so that grasp, that word grasp means hold on to. It's, like it's like a treasure that you hold on to. It's like a trophy that you prize, that you cherish. You hold on to it. Christ did not count equality a thing to be held on to. Why? That's our next question, right? We're not there yet. He did not count equality a thing to be held on to. See, Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, did nothing out of selfish ambition. Nothing. Ever. He did not hold on to the glory, to the praise, because he came down. He came down and he took on flesh. But, you know, there is one, and just a quick side. There is one who counted equality with God a thing to be grasped, and his name was Adam. Adam and Eve looked at God and said, I will be like God. Remember the fall, Genesis 3? I will be like God. See, Jesus is the second Adam, the perfect Adam. And Christ, who was God, became a man by releasing, not grasping, but by releasing. His nature continues to stir inside of us to be God, yet God himself did not hold on to these things. We continually try to make ourselves more like God. We put our schedules like we are omnipresent. We fill ourselves with busyness like we can be everywhere at once. We do things like we're all powerful. We say things like we're all knowing. Friends, that is our fallen nature. We grasp to be like God, but the, Jesus, who is God, did not count equality with God. A thing to be grasped. This is, this is astonishing. The second is that he emptied himself. If you're following along in the NIV, and even my ESV says uh, in mine, he made himself nothing. If you took this Greek phrase literally, and it's translated like this for a reason, but if you took it literally, he emptied himself of self, of all selfish prerogatives. See, self is the thing that causes tension in your marriage. He'd emptied himself of self. Self is the thing that that causes drama in friendships. He emptied himself of self. Self is the thing that causes our work and all the hats that we wear to get in conflict. And he emptied himself of self. He emptied himself, not anything divine. He did not empty himself of being God. He emptied himself of selfishness, of self. He is God. Jesus Christ and what we celebrate in Christmas is not a f- form of God in the sense that he's like God. Jesus Christ at the incarnation is God. And we'll see that in just a second. And he took the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human horror, he humbled himself. Oh, whoops, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Jesus became a servant. He emptied himself. He took the position of a servant to the father. But yet we are fighting like the apostles. I will sit at the right hand of Christ because I am holy. Christ Jesus took the position of servant, the form of a servant. Same word form there is used. And bent towards servanthood, he became a man. See, Christ became a man this is when we go, what? God, like creator, man, creation, the God-man. See, this is really bad math. Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. How does that total up? I don't know, but it's true. Jesus Christ took all of the essential attributes of man. He took on flesh. He became man. This is not God indwelling inside man, controlling like a robot. This is God taking on creation, putting on flesh. He became man. And he didn't just stay there and say, now I'm the greatest man to ever exist. He humbled himself as man. He didn't strut around. He humbled himself. But he humbled himself even to obedience to the point of death. Obedient to the point of death. See, this is what I really struggle with. I won't even humble myself to let someone in my lane when I'm driving. I know there's, I know there's some people in here that play this game, right? We see the person getting over and you're like, sorry, you're about to be humbled. Right. And you speed up right? and you're like, you're too close. And your kids are like, Oh mom, Oh dad, stop it. Right. Like even Quinn is in the back and she, like, you're going to hit that car. Mama said, don't hit cars. Right. And it's like. You're right, but i got to humble him, right? He's got to learn his lesson. Because if I don't, who will, right? This is the very beginning. But we won't humble ourselves to do little dumb things like that. But Christ humbled himself to the point of death. And here's, here's where the descent just gets astonishing. Not just death of old age. Death on a cross. Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. The perfect embodiment of humility is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. He couldn't go any farther. He took on sin. He became what we are so that we be- could become what we are not, righteousness. But in order for us to even take a step in that direction, it had to be fully in Christ. And so you might be thinking, okay, what's the point? There's a lot of this, but here's the conclusion, okay? Here's the conclusion of our passage, and it is beautiful. It should stir up worship in your heart. So hear this conclusion. And it's not just the conclusion of Christ's story. This is the conclusion of all believers found in Christ. The truth and the beauty is not just that this is Christ's end. This is our end. Verse 9, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is beautiful, and that is our end. If we are in Christ, that is not simply Christ's hope; that's Christ's reality, and He brings that hope to all of us who are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So let me let me wrap this up. Oh, I always forget this verse. Matthew twenty three twelve says this, and it's a good one. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You can't get to exaltation without walking through humility. You can't get to the exalted Christ without seeing and loving and trusting in the humility of Christ. You can't do it. You don't get to the end without walking through the body of Jesus Christ. The humility of our Savior. And so I I wonder, and the best way that I can think of explaining it is, is exactly how it was explained to me in youth group. This was a long time ago, right? I'm not proud of that. This was over 10 years ago. Oh, Lord. Uh, So so here I am in youth group. And my youth pastor is saying, salvation is like God on a mountain. So God is on a mountain. Illustration. This is an illustration. This is not a reality. God is on the mountain and you are down here. Way down here. This is like infinite gap infinite gap here, and all religions create a path to up there. All other world religions create a path to up there. Some religions just say there's no up there, but other religions will say every path leads to up there. Some religions will say that every good work you do is weighed against the bad work that you do, and if you get that, then you finally make it there. Have I earned it? Have I done it? Have I finally achieved it, God? But in the Christian faith, God comes off the mountain because he knows we can't take a step. We can't have our foot on the base of the mountain like an exodus. We're not worthy of a step. Christ Jesus, who is God, humbled himself. He took what he deserved, all praise, the position that he had, and he said, I will condescend myself. To those who are unworthy, creator takes on creation, and he becomes the God-man. And the beauty of the gospel is not, how can we make it here? It's that, look at what he's done. He's come down here, and the end is written to the glory of God the Father. And everyone who is in Christ Jesus is saved to the glory of God the Father. In Philippians 3, 9, I don't have this on our screens, but... How we go up is to go low. We must humble ourselves and believe there is no righteousness within ourselves, Philippians 3, 9. There is no righteousness within ourselves because we are in Christ. It is not in us. It is in Jesus Christ, our Lord, our sacrifice, the God-man who came to us for the glory of God the Father. To go up, you must go down on your knees. You must humble yourself before the Lord. And Here's where it really irks me. It just really gets at me. Jesus Christ, the name that is above all names, worthy of all glory and praise, all glory and praise, humbled himself and little old Jonathan, 28-year-old nothing, can't humble himself. He continues to think, he has it all together. I wonder if you resonate with that. Do you struggle with your pride? Do you do things on Facebook that you wish you would not do? Do you do things in your life? It just shows the reality of your pride. Friends, we are all called to humble ourselves and be found in Christ Jesus. Because if you look, if you look for the end of your pride, You'll never find it. Find your humility in Christ Jesus, our Lord, the name above all names. Let me pray. Father, we are incredibly grateful for our undeserving selves to get the beauty and the gospel of the God man, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who reigns today, who's written the end of the story to all the praise and glory of you. And we pause and we say, Lord, rid us of our pride. Allow us, help us, empower us to lay down our power, to lay down our influence for the kingdom of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray all this in the incredibly beautiful name of Jesus Christ, amen.